Welcome into the Husker 24-7 podcast. Mike Schaefer here, Brian Christofferson, Michael Brunts also on the line. We are eagerly awaiting BC's 22-point spring football plan that he will unveil at some point, hopefully here on the podcast today. Uh, maybe it'll appear on the website. Brian, have you been working feverishly on this plan? Uh, it's, it's in the rough draft stage, so I, I, I don't think I can avail it till next week. Brom, Jeff, Brom, Jeff Brom beat me to the punch, darn it. Yeah, I, uh, I hope that you are able to unveil your plan before the Big Ten and the presidents and Kevin Warren, who have had five months to think about it, put together their plan. Ryan Day had a plan, too. Every, every coach is going to have a plan before the uh, Big Ten does. Brunch, do you want a plan? I, I can make one. I don't know if I can color coordinate it like Jeff Brom did, which I appreciated uh, his dedication. It, it's, it's very uh, thorough, which I would expect nothing less of a Purdue man. Um, and especially a guy who coaches a program whose uh, motto was let's play football. We wouldn't be able to pull that off here in Nebraska in uh, tractor land. No. I did not see any tractors uh, on the road while going to get coffee. And also, I respect guys who do work on tractors, and they're not the guys I would want to pick a fight with. I just got to put that out there. Yeah, yeah, I don't even want to get into that because I'll say something that I probably shouldn't. So it's just best if – if we acknowledge that some people working at media entities that were once in their glory days are taking shots at a program that used to have glory days as well. So we can, we can just do that and, and move on, but let's, let's hit on this. So Kevin Warren evaded the question uh, multiple times, like a running back coming out of the backfield in the big 10 on Tuesday during BTN coverage of the announcement, the season was canceled. Later on with Pete Thamel of Yahoo, he said that Nebraska couldn't play and remain a member in good standing with the Big Ten. That was after we had met with our podcast. What did you guys think of those remarks? And then certainly the firestorm that seemed to have set off Tuesday evening and Wednesday throughout the day. Yeah. It, Go ahead, Bruns. It was uh, – it's good that he found his voice, I guess, finally, um, and, and answered a direct question. Um, it's it was interesting how things kind of cascaded downhill on Wednesday where you know maybe you take that as him throwing the gauntlet down and then all of a sudden the national conversation is that Nebraska is going to leave the Big Ten or is looking to leave the Big Ten and I mean if you go back to Monday when Scott Frost talked um, you know he preferenced you know kind of everything that he said with that they they like being in the Big Ten they're you know, proud members of the Big Ten and then kind of said that that's what they wanted to do. I mean, I, I get that Nebraska is kind of going against – was going against the grain a little bit by saying that they wanted to play and, and, you know, expressing the fact that, you know, maybe they weren't going to go along easily with everybody else. And then, you know, you've got Desmond Howard taking shots at Nebraska. You've got Paul Feinbaum uh, taking shots at Nebraska. And, and – if you really kind of look at what, you know, Nebraska or, or what they were saying about what Nebraska said, it wasn't a, a critique of, you know, them just wanting to play football. It was, 
Nebraska hasn't won enough games on the field to be able to talk like this, which that, that may be true in terms of how powerful your voice is. But I mean, I, I didn't really see a, an actual critique of what was being said in the national media. It was very much a, you know, people kind of lining up to take pinata shots at Nebraska. Is that, is that fair? Uh, Nebraska is still there. They haven't been upper tier on the football field, but they are still a good financial pickup for the league. And if those guys would ask Jim Delaney, uh, what he thought about that movie made a decade ago, um, he could lay out a variety of reasons why that has been very good for both Nebraska and the big 10. Um, Nebraska, I think is 20th nationally in value in football programs, uh, according to Forbes last September. Uh, so I, I was sort of amused at this idea uh, <clears throat> that just because Nebraska's record the last couple of years hasn't been too hot, um, that uh, they aren't formidable still because they are. And, um, and there were just some ridiculous pot shots that were taken. Um, and I don't like the media on media discussions. I always try to stay away from them. Uh, but it, it feels like there's a lot of holding water from national types uh, for the Big Ten and Kevin Warren after really a bungled situation if you just step over it and say you, you put out a roadmap and six days later you canceled it. Um, and After you got the car started and you let it get down the road a little bit. Yeah, after you let players go on the field, risk injury, have multiple practices and all this and that, I understand that this is a very complicated decision and that everybody might end up pulling the plug on this thing. And I get that, but you're net, what you're saying is right, Schaefer. You started it up. You know, you, you got it going. You got everybody uh, on the path, and, and then it's done. And uh, somehow we went from ignoring that complete mishap to being really ticked off that Nebraska said they were disappointed by said mishap and uh, just still what was their quote hope it may be possible to compete that is publicly what Nebraska said hope it may be possible to compete and that was characterized as a tantrum and pouting and all this I know this sounds all homerific from the Nebraska guys around here um, but I think we cover it closely and we know exactly what happened and we feel like the, the story has been skewed from what it has actually been. Yeah, no, I, I think you, I think you kind of hit on, on a lot of it. Um, it, it's interesting to me that all of those articles came from the same people who were sourcing someone telling us all along what was going to happen in the big 10. Uh, and I feel like I'm the furthest from conspiracy guy, but it does feel like there's at least uh, the angle of Nebraska being pushed by the same person that was sourcing a lot of those conversations of what was happening in those meetings. So it, it, it was odd. It was odd that, you know, for one day in, in the fall, I guess, if you will, it's still summer, but that Nebraska was the national talk of college football, but for the crime of wanting to play the sport, and nothing else. It, very, very odd. Uh, and it, it led to having to release a statement today saying that they're committed to staying in the conference, 
which then got turned around as some sort of snarky, oh, well, predictable response from Nebraska, from the same people that were basically begging and egging on that a response was needed. It's just kind of an absurd 48 hours. Uh, what did you guys think of, of Ted Carter and, and uh, Ronnie Green with their joint statement today? Because I, I don't think either of us thought that Nebraska was anywhere near leaving. Well, I, I, I mean, I, I think yesterday kind of precipitated the statement today of, you know, just reiterating the fact that, you know, Nebraska I, – I, I don't think Nebraska was ever looking to leave. I mean, there, there's so many reasons financially. I mean, let alone the academic side of things um, that, that Nebraska benefits from being in the Big Ten. It, it's, uh, you know, I, I don't think I, – I didn't, I didn't look at that statement as Nebraska, like, having to kiss the ring, but just, like, almost more of a clarification of, like, well, we're not, we're not going. Like, I mean, it's – it's not a, a Wolf of Wall Street type thing, but, um, you know, I, I think maybe it just needed to be said that to, to kind of squash everything uh, that, that, you know, was rolling, rolling down the hill out there through no, uh, no fault of Nebraska. Wolf of Wall Street would have been sweet, though, if, like, Ted Carter and Ronnie Green were, like, pounding their chest, you know, before they put it out. They did the Thor thing when he, he announced he wasn't transferring. He just posted the gif of it, and, and that's the statement. Yeah. Uh, we're, we're podcasting this as of about noon Thursday, so maybe stuff will come out. That's why I say that. But I want – I guess I want to hear more from Moose and maybe Frost about what they're thinking still. It was only like a two-paragraph statement, and I think it said what it had to say. Um, I'll just say it didn't completely make me think that the whole thing is over necessarily. Uh, I, I, I think it was a smart move and it calmed the waters a little bit with it got people off their back and they'll go pay attention to other things right now. Uh, but I, I would like to hear what Moose and, and Frost say because it does, from what we've heard, I mean, there, there have been contacts and stuff about, you know, possibly playing games with other teams in the fall. Um, and uh, I don't know how serious those were or are, but, uh, you know, Nebraska has definitely looked at their options, I think. Yeah, uh, there's, there's no question. I didn't know if Brunson was going to weigh in there or not, so I was, I was deferring to, to see if he would, but he did not. Uh, and I, I think that this is pretty well over. I mean, I don't, I don't know if there's going to be any more – uh, reports about various schools that Nebraska has been talking with uh, or anything in that regard. I would be very curious to see if Scott Frost will put together his own comprehensive spring football plan. And with that, we can kind of pivot towards spring football. I remain incredibly skeptical, even with the, the color-coded plan that Jeff Brown put out today. And I, I, I'm mocking it, but I, I do appreciate any and all ideas because I, I want to see football. I mean, I think we all do as long as it can happen. Uh, but even the, the plan that he put forth, which had eight games in 2021 and then another eight games in the spring of 2021 ending in May, and then another 10 in the fall starting in October. I find that hard to believe. I'm more of the mindset that you could see like a pod system where maybe Nebraska, Iowa, and, and Minnesota 
play like a round robin in the spring and you get a couple games in that way. I just – I can't see him playing more than a handful of games and then turning around and wanting to play a full schedule in the fall. Uh, what do you guys think, Bruns? What is, whether it's the Jeff Brown plan, whether it's spring football, whether it's what Ryan Day was suggesting by getting going right away in January, how do you kind of see this playing out? Well, I think you might have misrepresented Jeff Brom's color-coded plan, which I have here in front of me uh, in full color. Um, so Brom's plan, they would play end of February. They would be done by middle of April. Um, the championship I, in May. And then, yeah, and then you'd have uh, – here's the question, though, that, that his plan didn't address. Does, are the San Gabriels as beautiful around the Rose Bowl in May as they are in January? I uh, doubt, doubtful. Doubtful. I didn't. Th- it, it's just the way the light hits in January, I guess. Uh, so they, they would end with everything, <clears throat> everything in with the championships and everything else uh, between May first and May fifteenth, and then you'd play ten games in the fall, starting in October. I mean, it. I'll say this, and, and I agree with Shaper's point. I, somebody is coming forward with ideas. Uh, which is more than we're hearing from the Big Ten, which, you know, kind of I felt like through the spring football thing as kind of a, a kicker on the end of a press release. Um, you know, you, you had Ryan Day saying that hopefully they could go into January and finish up sometime in, you know, end of March or April. You know, it, it just feels like a lot. Um, you know, the, the question that I would have is in Brahm's plan, you know, you're going two days of full pads in September. Um, you know, is that too much? Um, you know, are you giving guys enough time to recover? I mean, playing 18 games at least in a uh, in a in a stretch like that is tough. And, and on the other hand, I mean, you, you do have states like Texas where it seems like they if you make a deep run into the playoffs, you're playing about that many games. But um, you know, at least the conversation starting, uh, you know, you would hope that by, you know, in five months, we know a lot more about COVID than we do now uh, to, to maybe allow that to happen. I'm, I'm skeptical as well, but, um, you know, at least it seems like at the coach level, there's momentum for trying to do this. But again, you know, it felt like the coaches and the ADs were the ones that wanted to try to play, and you saw where that got us this week. Okay, here's my rough draft plan. A 2021 super season. They're not two seasons. They're the same season, but they're split a little bit. And you would have four games um, in the winter slash spring. You could include one of them as like a non-conference and a couple conference games. And then you would have – you would take your normal break, and then you would kind of uh, – you'd give a little extra time, start mid-September, and then you'd have like a 10-game season that would play into a normal finish like we've always had. Uh, but the other games in the spring would count. Thus, um, building excitement around what happens in February and March and not just making those seems like ex- exhibitions, those all play into the fall. Now, I suppose the – other side of that is if your team went like one and three, um, you know, in the in the spring games, then what would the, the fall look like? But I, that's mine. I, I could see you dividing it into two parts, 
but just make it one season and have it all connect together. That's uh, that's kind of interesting. I, I think that the reason you divide it into two parts is because of the just staggering eligibility concerns that you're going to have. And the next thing I kind of want to throw out here, and this is a very real concern, whether it's in Nebraska or Ohio State, Michigan, wherever, should the other conferences be able to play and the NTAA determines that, that players that choose to transfer are going to be immediately eligible or guys on your roster that have already graduated and could be immediately eligible. It could be open season for a number of guys that just want to be able to get games. And Nebraska has to fight against that. And that's a big concern for, I would imagine, a number of coaching uh, staffs across the country, let alone just Nebraska and the Big Ten. So there's, there's so many things with this idea that potentially Big 12, ACC, SEC – which there's a lot that, that has to happen there. I mean, the Big 12 announced their schedule yesterday. They're roughly in the same point where Nebraska was a week ago. And so things obviously can be very, very fluid with all of this, and the presidents can change their mind, and that can be that. But there is a, a real situation where Nebraska could lose guys, guys that we're going to be talking about in this next segment, simply because they want the opportunity to go play games before they try to get drafted. Yeah, the the NFL thing is interesting. Like I saw one thing floated out that you know, there's the potential for a spring season that the NFL would actually end up supporting. I think if you if you were a, a, a player and you had any hope of being drafted in like the first three rounds, like you would not get me anywhere near a football field between January and March. You know what I mean? Like I, I think that that would be a challenge for some schools. I mean, then you do the whole thing of, well, what, you know, do you allow, you just count like Brian's super season as, as one year. Do you, you know, if, if you play in the spring and then in the fall, does that just count as one super season of eligibility for guys who enroll early? I mean, it's, there's a lot of questions, but um, I don't know. I mean, I, it, <laughs> I was kind of wondering a little bit. I was like, well, what are we going to talk about for the next four months? And obviously it's how this super season is going to work. That, that's what we're going to talk about. That's the, I, don't know. I think I'm opposed to the super season. No that's a, what? That's a Brian Chris, <laughs> That's the Brian Christopherson super season trademark. Just like the Wheel of Topics is trademarked. I put a lot of thought into it just, just now while I was eating my eggs. That's, that's, <laughs> that's Yeah. I put all 30 seconds of thought into that before I said it out loud. So I don't want to, I might, I might back away from it, but what, what would you do Schaefer? Uh, I, I kind of, like I said, I, if they did anything, I could see it being pretty condensed where you play a couple teams within your conference. You can kind of pot it up where Maryland and Rutgers, Penn state play each other, Ohio state and you know, the Indiana schools, you just, you divide it up that way and you're not going to get, super sexy matchups, but you're giving people the opportunity to play some games, put some film out there to see where they are. And then you move forward into an actual fall season in 2021. I think we were talking about this the other day. I think it's far more likely the next game that truly matters for Nebraska happens in Ireland. And if that's the case, I mean, even just getting a couple games in, like I said, a game of Iowa and a game of Minnesota, you can at least see where you are. And you think of it more as an exhibition than you probably do for a game that truly matters in terms of whether you win or lose. 
I get why Brom and so Brom has it at eight games, and Day has it at eight games, um, and I understand that because of let's put specific names to this, like Brendan Hymas, Deontay Williams. I could see where, especially when you're coming from Ryan Day's viewpoint. I know some people laughed at it because I think he started his season on his uh, plan in like January, but you know, he's got a roster loaded with NFL guys and I'm sure it's all skewed toward the idea. I need to give these guys an opportunity to put some film out and uh, you know, play seven or eight games that sort of addresses the eligibility issue, but cause it could count. Although that's not completely fair. It's kind of a broken season as Scott Frost would have said. Um, but it might have to be one of those deals where life's just not fair and eight games has to count as an eligibility season. Otherwise it's going to get really unwieldy, I think um, with the numbers. And so that's why, as opposed to my uh, off the cuff idea, I can see why super season. Yeah. The super season. Well, they have a, they have super season. I mean, theirs is a super, super season. What Brahm is talking about is eight games from February 27th to April 17th. It says it at the very top. This is really well laid out. It says the basic structure. And then he has 10 games from October 2nd to December 11th. So you're, he's talking about playing 18 games in nine months, basically. That's a lot. I mean, that's – but unprecedented times, you got to think outside the box. Um it, it, is it the best for the athletes? I'm not so sure of that. Adrian Martinez was kind of skeptical how good that is for athletes uh, when he was asked about it Monday before all this came down. And I, uh, so I, I wonder what the players are going to think. Well, it kind of goes back to the whole conversation too about, you know, looking out for players' health. I mean, it, it's one, you know, I, I taking the COVID stuff out of it. I mean, it, you know, that's a big reason why they decided to cancel, but um, you know, besides that, you get into a season of 18 games with, you know, two buildups and, and tr- two training camps, essentially, even though you, you'd probably go a little bit lighter on hitting and stuff. I mean, that, that's a lot of wear and tear, a lot of con- concussion, potential concussion issues. Um, you know, if you're, heck, I mean, if you're a guy like Adrian Martinez who has offseason surgery or something after the first spring season do you have enough time to come back and be full strength by the time you got to strap it up and and do it again three months later uh that 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 would all have to be figured out but I mean that 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 has to enter the discussion too I think and and you know the maybe that becomes a bit of a a flashpoint again for players trying to organize or, or get a little bit more of a voice in this as complex as it, this is, they, they need some efficiency, though, in agreeing to something and putting it out there, especially if other leagues are going to go forward and play this fall. It at least tells your players, this is what we're doing. All the players are going to be skeptical of that now because they're going to say, okay, sure, you just put out a map and cancel it six days later. That's where you kind of lose uh, the respect of the, the, the people involved. Um, but they they need to come up with stuff like Brom and Day are doing. They all need to get their heads together and, you know, attack it like they've got a research paper due and by next Wednesday, and I think come up with something and, and put it out to the public. Um, this is what we're thinking, and this is what we're doing, and at least then everybody knows what the goal is and is maybe starting 
to swim in the same direction. Oh, man. BC, are you saying a unified Big Ten front? Is that what you're saying? I, I, I just love – I love that unified Big Ten. You got your and name I, in your circle? No, I, I, don't, I don't care if everyone does that. <laughs> I, I – uh, back to that whole thing. I mean, God forbid somebody have a different opinion. It's like – it's just like – that's what really irks me about it from a journalistic standpoint. It's like let's just cover the thing and let people – if they have different opinions and there's an interesting storyline of his program that wants to veer off on its own, uh, let's just cover it and leave all the pot shots and stuff out of it. I don't know why – that. I thought it was embarrassing to, to our profession, honestly. But uh, I went back to that topic. I told somebody yesterday, I was like, like overnight, Nebraska all of a sudden became like the 1960s Oakland Raiders. Like, <laughs> like Ronnie Green is like Al Davis. Like, he's just looking to, 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 to just like <laughs> rattle some cages. Ronnie Green in a tracksuit? <laughs> Jades? A gold chain? I wouldn't hate it. That would be... That would be the ultimate uh, heel turn that I, w- I would very much support. All right. Well, we'll, we'll let the listeners figure <coughs> out we'll, who Bill Moose is with this 1960s Raiders deal. We are going to take a break. When we come back, we will get into the players that you won't get to see this fall and the ones that we thought were going to be most important for Nebraska's 2020 effort. We'll finish up our list next on the Husker 24-7 podcast. Explore the weaponization of rap lyrics in the criminal justice system in the new documentary, As We Speak, Rap Music on Trial. Now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply. This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else. So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball. And baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does. (laughs) Nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, and we are back. So let's just uh, let's just dive right into it. I assume you guys want to go through our personal list, or do we just want to count down the top five from the uh, the aggregate? Let's, we could do aggregate. Is that what you're saying, Brooks? Yeah, let's do aggregate, and we can argue about where we had each of the five because I think we were probably all over the map a little bit. Okay. I have it in front of me. Cool. Uh, next next to your super system, super season. <laughs> <laughs> I, I had to switch over. Yeah. I had to get my windows right here. Um, super season move to the side, minimize. Here we go. Number five is uh, Cam Taylor Britt. Um, just above Diedrich Mills, who was six, who uh, Schaefer had number one. Uh, but Cam Taylor Britt was number five on the list. Uh, I, I think I had him four. Uh, I really just like him because he can play any position in the secondary. Um, I think his best football is still ahead of him. I think it's important to remember he's only a third-year player. He never redshirted. So he's actually entering that time when guys sometimes really elevate. Beyond that, off the field, he's lifter of the year. He's one of their best peer recruiters. He's just, he's just a face of the program, and it's one of the faces of the program. He's one of the three or four that you would point out. So I think he belongs in the top five. 
I am. Uh, I, I want to take a quick second here to wonder how I can have Diedrich Mills at number one. He comes in at number six, right? Yeah. How how did you guys not have him in your top five? Here's, I, my, uh, here's my number four. I had him twelve or thirteen. <laughs> so Brian, let's let's play out this scenario. He's fired that up. Happens. Yeah. If if Diedrich Mills isn't able to go for Nebraska, you're that comfortable with an unproven backup? taking on a lead role on an offense that's built around the running game right now. Man, um, he's treating you like Pat Forty. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, What's your get... John Deere think about that, Brian? <laughs> yeah. Um, I, well, I really like their running back room uh, on paper. I, I get what you're saying. They haven't proven anything yet. I think one of the two true freshmen will be ready for the show to at least, you know, give you some reps. Um, I think – they can. They're not going to use Wandale near as much as a running back, which is good. But I think they can also get uh, some rushing game output from the wide receiver position with Elante Brown and and things of that nature. Um, I like Dedrick Mills a lot as a player. I. It mostly comes down to I feel like running back is a position where young guys can play immediately, and sometimes as true freshmen, their instincts take over and. They can be just part of it without having to wait two or three years like offensive linemen or defensive linemen sort of do. So that was why I had Mills lower is because I, I actually do think their depth will will end up looking okay but whenever they end up playing football again. Yeah, Mills another one of those guys that just wanted a few games if he was going to have an opportunity to play Yeah, at the next level. All right, who do you got at number four? Whoa, whoa, you guys want to know who my number five was? Uh, okay, yeah. It was Adrian Martinez, number five. I had him at three. At where? Three. Brian, where'd you have him? Uh, two. Okay. All right. Five, huh? Yeah. I, 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 I think it's because of Luke McCaffrey, who I apparently had at number 18. But I, I, like, uh, I like the ability to, in, in this hypothetical season or super season, uh, to, uh, to, to be able to weather an injury to Adrian Martinez a little bit better than, than I, what I would have said last year. So he, he slid down my list from uh, number one to number five. I am uh, I'm fascinated you didn't have McCaffrey rated higher based on how our draft played out this past spring. Well, because Nebraska's not running the veer this year, <laughs> if you <laughs> recall. <laughs> they, they might need to in that super season if they're going to they're gonna play 18 games. Yeah, so we we lost a member of our podcast crew right here. Uh, first time I think this has really happened. We've had Brunts pop up because he's been busy before in the middle of a podcast. I don't think if we've ever lost anyone quite like what has happened with BC. But he's gone. You will hear from him hopefully whenever he can figure out his internet connection next. Uh, but Brunts and I are going to finish this up. Brunts, what uh, – what does it look like four through one? I, I know we got a, a bit of a tie for second. Yeah, we had a, a three-way tie for second. Uh, we had we, we can kind of hit these in a group. Uh, four was Cameron Jurgens. Three was Adrian Martinez, who we hit on for a minute there. Uh, number two, Brendan Hymas. All all those guys were were tied up. Um, I, I already said I had Martinez at five. Where did you have the other guys? I, I think I had Jurgens at five. I had Hymas at two and Martinez at three. Okay. 
I had Jurgens at two, Hymas at three. Uh, Mills was actually my fourth. Um, so uh, let's see, who am I missing? Oh yeah, Martinez was five for me. So of those guys, um, you know, we've hit on Hymas and kind of what Nebraska thinks about him and, and maybe the way that he played last year without getting the recognition that he deserved. I, I think I could make a pretty strong case for Cam Jurgens being – I didn't have him as my number one, but I think you could make a pretty strong case for him being one or two based on long-term potential, how he finished last season, which was very strong, and, and Nebraska feeling very, very comfortable, comfortable about him at that center spot after a really rough start to the season. Um, what, what do you see whenever there is football again? Do you think he's back on track, I guess, of kind of what Nebraska thought he could be whenever they were really kind of pumping him up during the last offseason? Yeah, I, I think that there's there's reason to be excited about Cam Jurgens for sure, and I thought he finished the year very well. Um, I mean, they're, they're looking at a guy that they think can be a difference maker, and that's the reason they wanted him to go ahead and get his feet wet and play last year and work through those growing pains because they, the, the belief is that he's going to be a real asset in the middle of that offensive line for you going forward. And he's a big reason why people like you and I, I think we're, we're high on this offensive line, uh, in part because you have Hymas and you have Jurgens, but then you have some other experience. And it just feels like you're sort of beyond the, the period where you have to kind of figure it out. And so I, I think Jurgens was going to be a big part of that. And He's, he's going to be a big part of Nebraska going forward. He's definitely an important player, and this wouldn't be the last time he appears in the top five on a list like this. Is that Brian Christopherson's music? It is. Yeah, that's my walk-up. <laughs> Sorry about that. Sorry about that, guys. I, I, I need a better introduction. So we are cur- we're currently heading back to – we kind of went through that poo-poo platter of, of guys that were – uh, tied for second. Who did you have at number one, BC? Uh, Wandale. Um, just because of the lack of uncertainty at the wide receiver position, I feel like we just got a taste, of, honestly, of how good he can be. He only played a little more than eight games, really, and uh, still was one of the most impressive freshmen in the country. And I just think he's so versatile and can do so many different things. And he could be a return man if you wanted him to be. Obviously, he could play running back, although they don't want him to do as much of that going forward. I just think uh, he's a special talent, but he's just got to stay healthy. That's the biggest thing. Um, And last year, uh, he took a few too many hits, and I think he knows that. Um, So he's got to be smart out there, and Nebraska needs him for a full season. I had Wandale number one as well. I, there, there's not a player on Nebraska's roster that, that scares opposing coaches quite like Wandale Robinson in the way that Nebraska can use him um, as an offensive player. Um, you know, I was excited to see kind of what he would look like at wide receiver, what kind of stuff they would maybe dream up uh, to get the ball in his hands in unique ways outside of, uh, you know, kind of the, the, just the traditional handoff and stuff like that. I think when you look back at that Illinois game last year, I mean, that, that was a pretty good taste of how he can impact a game. And th- there were games that he played in last year where he was not uh, 100% by any means. Uh, he, he tried to really uh, strap it up and go a couple games and couldn't do it. And, uh, you know, I, I think with the, an offseason to get recovered, 
kind of playing more of his natural position. I think he was set up for a huge year and uh, I think really would have kind of put himself on the map nationally more than he already was. Yeah, I, I did not have Wandale as high as you guys in part because I still need to see how Nebraska is going to use Wandale Robinson before I can consider him the most indispensable player for the program. I mean, and, and part of it for me is I, I just – I need to see it. I, I need to see what his role is going to be, if they're going to run him a lot, if they're going to be able to create packages and get him the ball and he can be consistently involved, if he can be healthy – and, and play through it. There's no doubting the talent there. Um, I just wasn't quite ready to make the jump that he's going to be the MVP of Nebraska's offense if they were to, to turn this thing in the right direction. There's a very good chance that that's the case, but I'm still a little bit maybe more skeptical than, than you guys are that that was what would have happened this fall. But there's, again, no doubt on the talent, and, and he has – as much potential, if not more, to be a superstar, uh, really more than just about anybody that isn't Adrian Martinez on this list, too. Uh, I just I wasn't quite ready to move him to number one. You know a game that was a strange hint to me of why, why I put him number one? It was actually Minnesota, where Nebraska got crushed. Wandale barely played, but if you remember in, like, the first couple of series, he was out there, and he was basically their offense. Martinez was out. Federal's the quarterback. And it was all Wandale, and he was a problem for Minnesota. It was, it was clear they were going to have to come up with some solutions for him. And then he suffered the injury, and then it was like Nebraska's offense had nothing after that. And I, that, it was a, it's a weird game to kind of pinpoint, but it, it, it showed just how, how much of a dent it is when he's not on the field. All right, any final thoughts here? Uh, I'm curious to see if if we get a little bit more of as the world turns uh, the next couple of days. It's uh, you know it's never a dull moment in college football these days, so I don't know why why that would pop up at this point. Uh, you have predictions? You want to make an oddly specific prediction of the next thing that we hear? Uh, I don't know. I. I... It's hard to get oddly specific about something that's been all over the damn map the last 48 hours. Like, I think anything that I would say, you'd be like, yeah, I could probably see that. Like, you know, I, I think uh, – I, I kind of think like Brian, too. Like, I, I don't know that this thing is completely dead and buried yet. All right. So, no predictions from Brunt. A prediction from BC? Um, next color-coded – um plan comes from I think uh I think Mike Loxley is going to put out a plan and we're all going to be like yeah okay I think that's what's going to happen next all right well I'll go with the the relatively obscure blog fire Joe Morgan comes back with a very strong anti-Nebraska playing football take to keep in you know to to just keep this fire going so that's (laughs) uh that's my oddly specific prediction either of you ever been to that blog well i guess i have to go now it doesn't uh it it closed its doors in 2008 but the entire blog was centered around the idea of getting joe morgan off the sunday night broadcasts which was a great (laughs) great campaign as far as i was concerned in the early 2000s well we'll look into here what they have to say about nebraska and, and whether they should be in the big 10 or not 
Very, very good. All right. We'll be back next week with a few more podcasts, I'm sure. Uh, we are going to have to – we're going to have to get creative, but that's not a problem for the three the three brainiacs in, on this podcast. We'll come up with stuff. We're still going to have plenty of content. Husker 24-7 is still going to be humming along on the website as well. Be sure to check that out. We'll catch you next week. Check out our new NBA show, Beyond the Arc, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, where you can find me, John Gonzalez, NBA insider Bill Ryder, and Ashley Nicole Moss, five days a week talking all things NBA. Whether you're looking for insightful discussions, upbeat commentary, breaking news, interviews, or coverage of all the biggest stories in the NBA, our new show is the place to be five days a week. Download and follow Beyond the Arc on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts.